Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is in your part of the world. This is Pamela Fagan Hutchins, and you have reached the show Wine, Women, and Writing. And this is a show where I really love to talk to other authors about their uh, their female characters and what they do to make them relatable and authentic and complex and thought provoking and all the things that we love to read about women. And I do this as a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. So this is a solely owned and copyrighted show. All hail the chief, our producer, Pam Stack. And it is also a joy for me because I love talking with other authors about what it is they do. I cannot start today without giving a plug and a thank you to Lisa Preston, who's new release Dead Blow, my husband just listened to, and it's fantastic, um, for her support of the show. And to also thank you guys. Um, my Maggie Killian trilogy is still in the top uh, 150 on Amazon and switched back now six months after release, hanging in there at 2000. So you're doing something great for me and I appreciate it. So now let's get to the good stuff. The good stuff today is that Every now and then, I will get contacted about an author that I've already read and I'm excited about. Honestly, a lot of the times, I get contacted about authors that I become excited about, but I hadn't yet read their work when I get that call from um, their publicist or their publisher or somebody that's in their camp. And when I got this contact about Colleen Oakley and her most recent release, You Were There Too, I was like giddy and bubbly. So it is with that kind of excitement that I welcome Colleen to the show today. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Pamela. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of this with me. Um, so I have been quietly, in my own quiet way, fangirling you for the last few months since I discovered you were there too. So if you thought you were being followed or stalked, it might have been me or maybe not. Maybe not. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't even know what first... Um, brought your book to my attention. I wish I could remember because it's always fun to, to connect the dots. But I read uh, what it was about and I couldn't order it fast enough. So oh. tell the listeners what it's about so that they can start to experience the vibe with us. Yeah, absolutely. So You Were There Too is about a young woman named Mia who is really you know living the American dream. She's happily married. She has her first baby on the way. The only thing that is a little bit strange in her life is that she's been having recurring dreams about a stranger, a man, for most of her adult life. And she doesn't know who the stranger is. It's not her husband. Um, and she really doesn't think too much of it because she knows that dreams can be bizarre um, until she moves into this very small Pennsylvania town and she runs into this man that she's been dreaming about in real life. And she recognizes him immediately. She knows this is the guy. And as it turns out, he's been dreaming about her too. And then they have to embark on this journey to discover what that might mean. So how much did it bother your husband that you came up with this idea? <laughs> well, I will tell you, I don't let him read my books until they're done. So that all he has to say is that was wonderful. Um, just you know, for the sake of our marriage. Um, but it was funny when he was reading it. So the husband's name is Harrison. And then the dream man, his name is Oliver. And he just kept looking at me and going, who is 
Oliver. <laughs> just getting really angry about this Oliver character. <laughs> uh, my husband would be exactly the same way. And so now, but you guys, you guys have been married uh, and have four kids. So there's not, yes. there's not a Colleen in Mia. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, and, with four kids, my husband would have to do a lot to make me want to leave him. <laughs> oh, honey, I, I am yeah. not going to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that kind of zone, uh, zone play with four kids and, and one mom? No. That would, be, that would be tough. I don't know how women do that. My husband and I share five, and they're grown, oh, now. Wow. They're grown now. They're about to exponentially, um, uh, you know, uh, procreate, you know, with, with babies. But yes. Oh, you're going to have so many grandbabies. <laughs> yeah, approximately 70. But I, I hats off to women that can do it or men that can do it because it, it, it ain't me, sister. Um, so where did this really super cool idea come from? Yeah, so I am a journalist by trade aside from writing books. And about four years ago, I was writing an article for WebMD, which is one of my favorite magazines to write for. Um, and it was something about sleep. I can't even remember the article now, but I was doing, you know, research for it online. And I fell down one of those rabbit holes and came across this study on dreams. And I've always been super fascinated by dreams because I'm a very vivid dreamer. I remember my dreams most nights. And the study um, intrigued me because the study said that a group of dream scientists, dream experts um, had gotten together to say that there was enough anecdotal evidence to um, support the idea that mutual dreaming is a real phenomenon. And mutual dreaming is when two people, typically they're very close, siblings, um, you know, best friends, husband and wife, go to sleep on the same night and share the exact same dream about one another starring each other. And it just amazed me because I kind of heard of that before, you know, um, but it amazed me that it was like being supported by the science community, that scientists were saying, yes, this happens, this happens a lot. We just don't know why it happens. And I thought that would make a very interesting, uh, you know, concept for a book. It is super interesting. And I love that the scientific community is admitting that it's real, even though they can't explain it, because it's happened. My husband and I share that phenomenon. We, we oh, I love, tell me, tell me what happened. Tell me a story. The, uh, well, the, the dreams where we dream the same dream have been going on for a very long time. Um, but we had dreams about each other before we met each other. And did you so, really? Oh, I, I met him and I recognized him immediately. I went home and cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God, my oh gosh. it was crazy. And, and so yeah. when you tell people these stories, they're like, yeah, lunatic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it really happens. It, it really happens. happens all the time. And yeah. when, so when I saw your book, I was like, I just am dying to see what you have to say. Um, about it from uh, from a you know literary standpoint and where you you went with it and and I really really enjoyed it and I am not going to give away the ending and, um, and, <laughs> and I, I loved where you left it I loved now that our imaginations get to um, to you know decide if there's anything further to the story so um, and with that I've got to stop and go Pamela don't spoil the book um, but it really it really really um was meaningful uh to me and I'm wondering if you've heard from other people lunatics such as myself that are telling <laughs> you that this really happens to them as well yeah I've heard a lot of um 
amazing, fascinating stories while I've been on book tour, I'm sure as you can imagine. It seems that most people have their own kind of crazy dream story. And sometimes it is, you know, dreaming about somebody and then meeting them. Um, I heard uh, a bookseller actually in Charleston, she and three of her very good friends all had the same dream one night. So four people all shared the same dream um, about a friend who had, who had passed suddenly that came back to them in the dream. Um, I've heard uh, one of my favorite stories is a woman that I met in uh, Myrtle beach. She came up to me and told me that her mother had died um, unexpectedly And of course, she was uh, grieving this. And about two weeks later, she had this dream where she thought of all these questions that she wished that she had asked her mother before she died. And when she woke up, she got a pen and paper and immediately wrote down like five or six of these questions before she forgot them. And later that morning, her husband woke up and said, I had the the strangest dream about your mom. um, And she wanted me to tell you these things. And they were the answers to her questions. Oh, that is so cool. Isn't that cool? I got chills when she told me that one. But I mean, it's wild, you know. I know. When you first kind of hear these stories, like you said, you know, you kind of think, okay, that's crazy. You're a little bit loony. But when you keep hearing them, there's no, it, it just becomes like there's no doubt. Like these things really happen and we can't explain it. I think there's so much about you know, the brain and our connections between people that we can't explain yet, like maybe one day we will be able to, but I mean, there's definitely something out there I've always <laughs> that's happening. That there's just this, this energy, this energy that we can't see. I mean, you can feel it in the air if you're in tune to it, but you, you can't touch right. it. And it's there, it's between people, it's between people that are in our dimension, but where does all that energy go? I mean, like think about that woman's mother and that dream that her husband had answering her questions, that energy that, you know, for millennia we've called spirits or or whatever is, is somewhere. And uh, if you're in tune to it, it comes back to you. I didn't believe this until I was an adult and it started happening to me. I always was way too pragmatic, but it's, it's totally something that I believe in now. So uh, you're so blessed that people share those stories with you. Have you ever had, it has been the most fun part of this book tour is meeting people and hearing all of their fascinating stories. Have you ever had any sort of experience like that? I have. I've had a couple. Um, I consider them more minor. Probably the the biggest one was um, I had dreamt of a friend. This was five or ten years ago that I had not kept in touch with. We grew up together in our childhood, and I it, I had a very short dream about her, and she was pregnant in the dream. And the very next day, I talked to my mother, and my mom had said, you know, guess who I talked to, and it ended up being my friend Joy's mother. And they had also not kept in touch. So it was like an, a random reconnection. And I said, oh, how's Joy doing? And my mom said, oh, she's pregnant. And I said, I knew it <laughs> from my dream. I'm psychic. I love it. I love it. And I love that the connection between you was still so strong that you were getting that right. signal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because are, they're not just, you know other other um, potential uh, lovers in our life, but loved ones like moms or like friends that sometimes that connection is so strong. I've got a daughter who, from the time that she was little, her connection to where people put things was eerie. 
you would ask her where mm. something was and she'd cock her head and look at you and she'd go in the bento bike on the bicycle on the um, bicycle stand mom and you'd go and there it was and it would be a wow really answer and you'd be like how is she so in touch now she was also a nosy child who'd paw through my drawer but i'm sure these <laughs> things were unrelated <laughs> so That's hilarious so now when you 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 write standalone fiction in the sense that you can I do an idea and then you should go on to something new so how do you top this super awesome dream world connection thing what did you what'd you dive into next oh my gosh yeah i try to just do something completely different so that they're not connected and i can dive into a whole new world that fascinates me so my next book is called The Invisible Husband of Brick Island. Um, it comes out next May. And it's about a young woman who lives on this very tiny island in the Chesapeake Bay that you can only get to by boat. There's only about 90 other people that live on this island. And she has lost her young husband um, to a boating accident. He's a waterman. Uh, most people on the island crab and fish for their careers. And he um, was unfortunately in an accident and is missing at sea. And she is so devastated and in such grief over this loss that she wakes up one morning and, and begins to live her life as if he is still there beside her every day. She walks him down to the docks. She still goes to their favorite restaurant, the one restaurant on the island to eat dinner on Friday nights. And the townspeople um, have no idea what to do with this. They love Piper, my main character, and they're not quite sure uh, what to do. So they decide to all go along with it, go along with her seeing this, this husband that is not actually there. And that's all fine and well until a young, ambitious reporter comes to the island to work on a fluff piece uh, for his mainland newspaper. And he then sees all of these people interacting with and talking to a man who does not actually exist. <laughs> and he decides that this is going to be his big break. He does a podcast at night and he's going to make his podcast the next big serial uh, or the next big This American Life. He's um, very ambitious. And so he decides to make this the focus of his story unbeknownst to the Islanders. And that's when things get very interesting. That is, there's so many ways you can go with that. Okay, so um, again, where did this idea come from? <laughs> so this one is a little bit morbid, um, but a couple years ago I came across, but you asked, so I'm going to tell you. Um, <laughs> a couple years ago I came across this newspaper article about a woman in Australia, and she was um, older, and her husband passed away. And she was in such denial about it that she just left his body where he died in their bed and did not tell anybody that he had died. And this went on for a full year until the neighbors started to smell things and come over and ask her, you know, what was going on? Why was, why did her house smell? That poor thing. And I just, yeah, I just thought that is interesting. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm, glad this idea. I'm glad there's no dead body in the bed in your book, though. That's That would probably... There is not. Thank goodness. <laughs> but, oh, how sad. I can totally see myself being, being like the woman in your book. <laughs> right, right. Such That's denial. So I mean, who wants to accept that, particularly when you're young and you think you have your whole life ahead of you with this person? 
Uh, yes, exactly. And I bet your husband likes that book better, Pining. Yes, yes. Although he keeps wondering why I'm killing husbands. He's like, <laughs> why are you killing husbands? This is concerning to me. <laughs> I, had, I had a book once where I didn't know what I was going to write, but I sat down and I was mad at my husband and I, I created a character just like him and killed him in the first chapter and sent it to him. And he was like, that's, that's amazing. Really, yeah, that's really nice, Pamela. Thanks. <laughs> And this is a public service announcement why you should never marry a writer. Exactly. Exactly. At least don't piss him off, right? That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so with your um with the books that you've written so far and you've had wonderful success, you guys, she's achieved so much recognition for her beautiful work. And do you have a particular book or protagonist that you relate to the most out of what you've written? That comes most from oh. playing, um, or is it that ambitious journalist to, in uh, yeah. your book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have to say probably Mia from You Were There Too, um, mostly because she's an artist in the book. Um, she's a painter, and I think I related to her struggle when you're an artist or you're something in the creative world of how do you define success. And what, you know, it's so easy when you work in the corporate world, you keep moving up the ladder, you get a bigger paycheck, you get a bigger bonus, you might get more vacation, you get a better title. And you know when you're successful, but when you're an artist, it's such a different roller coaster. And it's very difficult to know when you have succeeded. Um, and it also feels like the goalpost keeps moving. I don't know if you can relate to this. I tell my husband, the more books I write, the more I sell, the less I make. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I've heard, you know, I have not yet made like the New York Times bestselling list. That's, that's a, certainly a goal, I think, of most writers. But then I talk to writers who have made the New York Times list, but then they want to be number one on the New York Times list. You know what I mean? Or, or then they want the movie to be made of their book. It just feels like, you know, once you get somewhere, there's always somewhere else to go. And how, how do you define success for yourself? And so Mia's certainly struggling with that in the book. And like Mia, you start with, you just want to create something. And then you just want to create something that someone else experiences. And then you just want to create something yes. someone else experiences and enjoys or has some, yep. you know, et cetera. And then it just grows and grows and grows. Exactly. Exactly. Very hard. And she also struggled not just with with that, which can be so hard on your sense of self and, and you're up and you're down, but with infertility, which, you know, for, yep. for many women is a defining um, challenge in their lives. Yes, for sure. For sure. Now, I, um, I do want to say I have not struggled with infertility. Um, fortunately, I, I have four wonderful kids. It did take me a long time to get pregnant with my first son. So I certainly understand that yearning um, for a baby and, you know, and wanting it and it not happening. Um, I do unfortunately have some very close friends who have all suffered miscarriages and struggled in their own way. So I've, I've witnessed it kind of um, firsthand. And I just think that we as a culture and society don't talk about it and we don't recognize it for being this grievous experience of death. Right. Um, and so I really wanted to shed light on that um, in this book. Yeah, and 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 the impact it has on relationships, the different yes, for sure. commitment level between two partners to to deal with um, continuing efforts to have babies, you know, things like that. I've certainly had friends whose marriages didn't make it through it. It's just yeah, 
very tough. And it was it's tough. a really, really tough thing. And you and you can get just all consumed by it. And that can be very hard on a relationship. In this, um, you were there too. Harrison and Mia, of course, are going through this and, and going through a different level of commitment to it. And, and, and starting to not be open with each other about the things in their lives. And, and that right. was an interesting wrinkle in the book, you know, that Mia was hiding things from Harrison, but to discover that he was hiding things important to his psyche from her as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think that happens in long-term relationships. If you, you know, not necessarily that you keep secrets, but you're not always 100% open if you're struggling with something or dealing with something with those that depth of emotions, it can be hard to be. My husband has a delayed reaction of sharing. Mm -hmm. He'll hold something in and then all of a sudden he'll say what that look on his face has been like, been about for, you know, God knows how long. And he ultimately shares, but it's right. very hard to open, open up that way. And it's interesting to me, I, I'm not like that. I don't know about you, but I vomit up everything. <laughs> this, Me too. This, I'm an open book, pun intended. I have, a, I have a feeling and it's coming. It's coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> not, my, not my husband. And in this book, Harrison was hiding things that impacted how he felt about himself and how he, you know, things that maybe made him feel less powerful, less perfect, less manly is that and you know that that some absolutely didn't get wrapped yeah. up in the idea of what success means for them yes and i also think he you know his, part of his reasoning i'm sure was um not wanting mia to to look at him differently you know thinking that she might think less of him um so yeah and i think a lot of men are probably more like your husband than like us where they will keep things close to the chest um for a long time until they kind of figure it out or they're ready to talk about it isn't it great to be able to write these these characters in fiction and just get all this out there you know deal <laughs> i find sometimes it's easier for me to deal with my husband when i think through a character and i think about absolutely i'm reacting like a so and so and he's reacting like a such and such and oh <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I do think it helps to, um, you know, you are working through kind of the psychology of the way people are because each character has to be different. They can't all just be you, right? <laughs> so you have to really empathize and understand how other people uh, would react to situations. Now, if people want to get more information about you, you were there too, your previous books and your upcoming novel, um, what's the best place for them to go to get this kind of scoop? Super easy. My website, ColleenOakley.com, um, or they can follow me on Instagram at writer Colleen Oakley. Awesome. Awesome. And are you, are you through book touring for You Were There Too? Or are you still going out and doing events? I have a few more events. I'll be, well, hopefully I'll be in Minnesota if this coronavirus doesn't stop us um, yeah. on March 23rd. And then I have a, a book festival in Florida, Word of the South, on April 4th. And I have just a few more Atlanta events, uh, which is where I live. The, um, yeah, the coronavirus, um, wash your hands a lot and, um, and hope for the best. I, uh, yes, yes. I, I don't know what to say, but hopefully your, your events will go off without a hitch and you'll get 
somewhat of a, a break before you hit it again for your next book. I know. I hope so. I need, I need time to write another book. Exactly. <laughs> i got to get off the road. Keep them in the pipeline. Well, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you being on the show and for you, you writing a book that, that selfishly let me enjoy and remember um, similar experiences. I'm sure it's done that for a lot of people. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed talking to you so much. I appreciate you having me on. You guys, uh, I appreciate you as well for joining us today. Be sure that you head out to my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com, and on the podcast tab, you can see my upcoming guests, and I highly encourage you to get their books ahead of time, read them, and then we can kind of book club this thing together as I get the fun of talking to the authors that we all love to read. And um, until uh, next time, I hope that you go out there and read, if you haven't already, You Were There Too by Colleen Oakley. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.